Tampa Bay's Tan Talk. Entertaining and informative radio for the Sunshine State. You may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car has been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. Looking for car shows? Then look no further than FLACarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, FLACarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at FLACarshows.com. Would you put that paper down and help me unload this truck? Problem. People got the problem. And I see I got me one. What? Look. Junk, junk, junk. Yeah, well, that's our business, isn't it? Yeah, but this kind of junk make real junk look bad. <laughs> what are you talking about? Well, look at them old big tires. Well, these are snow tires. Snow tires? In Southern California? <laughs> that just shows you what you know. Now, people use these all the time to get up the mountains to those ski resorts. Oh, yes, our neighbors are there all the time, skiing and yodeling. <laughs> Look at this trash. Trash? This is good, Pop. This is aluminum. Aluminum? That's nothing <laughs> but old pot metal. Ain't worth nothing. How long you been with me now, Lamont? What do you mean, how long have I been with you? <laughs> Since I was born. Has it been that long? <laughs> Come on. All this time in the junk business, and you still haven't developed an eye for junk. Well, I'll pick up what I can. Well, look at this. What is this? What's it look like? You must have found it in the alley. <laughs> no, I bought it at Saks Fifth Avenue. Yeah. Don't you know, Lamont, people put garbage in stuff like this. Fill it up with garbage, and then throw it out in the alley. Here's another thing you haven't developed. is a nose for junk. Well, I'm not gonna go around smelling the stuff. See, when you find something like this, what you should do is step on it. And if it squishes, then you don't want it. All right, Pop, I'll just throw it away. No, no, wait a minute, don't throw it away. I just want to give you a lesson in this business. A lesson in this business. Yeah, now look at this here. Garbage. <laughs> Come here, open it up and see if the money's still in there. Look at that, Pop. Stacks of 20s, 50s, 100s. Oh, I can't believe it. I can't stand it. I ain't gonna make it. You hear that, Elizabeth? I'm coming to join you, honey. Rich. Would you stop that, Pop? Now, this is no time to have a heart attack. Hi, I'm Corky Coker, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. 
Okay, listeners, welcome. You're tuned in to Nostalgia Radio Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Right near your computers in Google Town, talk1340.com, and you can see me, yes, little old me, live here in the studios in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to check out our website, golfstreammotorsports.com, where you can find out all about us. And if you've missed any of our past shows, don't forget to check out Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Com. Did I say that? Or did I say Gulfstream Motorsports? I get it mixed up some. Sometimes I just get so excited, so emotional, I don't even know where I'm at anymore. And that's, How what, you doing? Huh? that's what happens when you run two websites at the same time. That's exactly what no, we actually have three. Three? We have three. Yes. Okay. We have projects gone bad. That's a thing? That's a thing. That's All right, thing. then. That's a See? Thing. See? You listen to this show every week, you learn something new. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why you have to tune in every hey. Tuesday between 7 and 8 p.m. on the Talk Radio Network. Right exactly. <laughs> So how are we doing there? We are doing fantastic. So, all right, that's good. So anyway, so we're uh, tuning into Nostalgic Radio Cars. I'm here, and uh, Matt's here, and uh, Matt's mm-hmm. driving the studio tonight. I'm just uh, along for the ride, and uh, all my listeners, you can tune in because we got some, we got an interesting guest coming on. We got uh, a good friend of ours. We have some periodic guests that come on and just what we would call contributors, contributors, and they have just little tidbits here and there and stuff like that. So this past weekend, um, you heard me talking about it last week because we had Ray Schaefer on. We went up to Porsche Experience Center in Atlanta. For the 75th anniversary of Porsche, and uh, which I believe may have been officially on the 9th or 10th, but the auction for Broad Arrow Auction was up in uh, was on the 11th, I believe. But on the 10th, they had the celebration. So, but all the dealerships across the country had um, events, and I know they had them here at Tampa, at uh, Porsche of Tampa or Reeves, as we call it. Our uh, us old timers, and then uh, on the way up there to uh, Atlanta, which is you know it's about a seven and a half eight hour drive, depending on how fast you drive an I seventy five. And I've been doing this since the seventies. I think seventy three was the first year I ran up seventy five. And I got to tell you, since nineteen seventy three to nineteen no to two thousand twenty three. So what's that? Fifty years, right, Matt? If my mathematics is correct, my arithmetic, that's fifty years between Tampa. And Atlanta, that road, I-75, has been under continuous, continuous construction. And for a road that's been under continuous, nonstop construction, you'd think that road would be absolutely flat and perfect. No, 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 no. Some sections were. But I remember it was, you know, two lanes, and they widened a section, and then they fixed what they widened, and then they added a little bit more, and then they fixed that, and then it's just like an ongoing thing. So it makes you wonder, you know, what the Department of Transportation is up to, right? You can say that about any road almost anywhere in the country, though, that it's under constant construction. Well, now, you know, you, you go up and down 75 here in Florida. I will say this. We actually mm-hmm. have some really, really good roads here we in do. Florida. You know, I, w- I will say it's a lot better than some of the roads that just came from in New York last week. In New York last week. Okay. Anyway, but well, now the turnpike, and I'm going to say between Wildwood and Orlando, really needs some work. But that's getting taken care of because they put a couple overpasses there, or I should say roadways or whatever they might be. Little little cart pass for little bitty little guys that live in the villages so they can go back and forth from one side of 75 to the other. So they can go from Marion County to Sumter County on their golf carts. Pretty soon, the state of Florida will be no longer called the state of Florida. It will be the villages, the state of the villages, and Florida will be a small little piece of the villages. That's that's the way it's going right now. Which makes sense, and I was just watching this on TV before you came in. Back to the Future was on, and a small part of me was hoping that... 
Back to the Future was right, and by this time, we would have had flying cars already, so that way we wouldn't have constant construction on the roadways. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now, you think about that for a second, and okay. that's going to be a separate topic one day. We're going to get this, but you think about, you think you've got chaos on the roads. Could you imagine cars falling out of the sky? Yeah, that would be that would be a problem. And then yeah. and then the bad drivers we have on the road today, particularly when you go up. See, the left lane is for fast moving traffic. But yeah. we literally had a, on I, countless occasions three lanes of nothing but trucks. In fact, I have it's getting worse and worse with these truckers in the far left lane. You, slower traffic stays to the right. I don't care whether I'm speeding or not. It's not for you to determine how fast or how slow I go. You just need to stay in your lane. And if you're not going faster than everybody else, then you stay in the right, somewhere in the right, either in the right lane or the rider of the right lane, which would be the far right lane. Okay, Unless you're using that for like turning or getting off the exits if you're on a highway. Exactly. But these guys down here just don't seem to get because they got people. I don't know how they get their CDL license, which is commercial driver's license. But uh, whatever. All right. So we get the Porsche Experience Center. It was a spectacular event. They had some great cars on display. And the place was packed. I mean, they really had uh, it was kind of like open house at PEC. And then, of course, they had people on the track that were driving. Uh, well, they weren't driving. What they were doing is they were giving you rides. And they were giving people rides that would be um, equivalent to a roller coaster ride, perhaps. You know, when you're coming around the uh, carousel there and some of the turns, the S's, and the skid pad, and you're flying all over the place, it's pretty cool. So, And, and mind you, you're strapped in. So, But still, it's a heck of a ride. So a lot of people truly enjoyed that. And, of course, the next day on Saturday was the auction. And... Um, they had some pretty spectacular cars, two or three cars. One was a 930 Turbo, about an 86, which was a very, very unusual color, special order. And another one was also a special order Porsche Carrera GT, which would be about 2005, 2006, somewhere in that era. And then, of course, they had a 1979 14.6 GT, which is actually kind of a rare car. And uh, so those are three cars that I thought were worthy of mentioning, which we talked briefly about those. And then, of course, the orange Carrera that uh, Ray was talking about last year, which was, or last week, the Carrera GT. Or not Carrera GT, it was a Carrera, 911 Carrera, just a production Carrera, not the RS or anything like that, the race version, but a street version. And actually, there was four turbos there. My friend from uh, from Morrisville, North Carolina, he had three of them. And then uh, there was a 944 race car GT there which was actually kind of interesting and an old Electrodyne car which was basically built by Fab Car which was a total tube chassis car so it was for a, a, a yeah, an IMSA class car and I'm not exactly sure offhand what class it would have raced in probably prototype but um, I guess it was competitive I don't remember the car but I kind of should because all through the late 70s 80s 90s I used to go to Sebring and Daytona religiously but anyway, Alan, if you're listening, you can call in. Um, Alan's going to give us... Uh, we're going to do a little segment with Alan from time to time. He's going to call in and give us a couple of Autotrader ads just just to make you sit there and go, hmm, yeah, why didn't I buy this car 50 years ago? And, uh, you know, we were talking about that today, you know, some of these cars. And then I was talking to a friend of mine here. I ran into one of the swap meets, and he's got probably, I don't know, he's got an acre under roof full of cars and parts, Mopars. Actually, he's locally here in the Tampa Bay area. And I was talking, his name's Jim, and I was talking to Jim, and he says, you know, Robert, I got all these cars, like a lot of guys, and, you know, time's just running out. Now, a lot of guys were smart enough to work on their cars and keep them going, all, but 
other guys kind of kept acquiring, said, I'll get to it, I'll get to it, pick up another car, I'll get to it, I'll pick up another car, I'll get to it. And that I'll get to it time, just, you know, time goes, it flies. It doesn't stand still for anybody. Time, as they say, is a thief. You know, it just takes your time and it disappears. And uh, so if you got something, fix it, you know. Um, drive it and enjoy it. Even just get even if you just get it running. You don't have to restore it. Anyway, we got Alan on the phone. Yes, yes, we do. Alan, what do you got for us? What kind of really cool? What kind of ads do you have from way back when that are just going to make me sit here and cringe? Okay, you know, of course, I put them on the computer instead of cutting up the magazine, and of course, nothing is working right now. But I got the original ad from Roden. Actually, there's obviously two ads from Roden Track for the Bullet Mustang. Because remember seeing an ad that says $6,000 the best offer. <laughs> but I got this ad that says um, best offer, $6,000 for the first one. The second ad, obviously, that, I, that I've seen says best offer. That's when the people bought it for three, $3,500. I'm doing two things at once here. I can't even do one thing at once, okay? Anyway, well, okay. can you relate to that? Can I relate but to that? Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so there's a few odds and ends here. I got a 71 Boss 251 to four-speed, of course, blah, blah, blah. Asking five grand. Oh, here's one that you can relate to. A 53 Porsche 1500 Super Coupe, green with bone interior, Blau Punk AMFM and Shortwave, uh, $3,500. This ad's from like 1971. Now, are you in road? Which mag- Which publication are you in? Road and Track. Road and Track. Okay. Did you get the email I sent you about the guy, I guess RM's having the auction with these old Ferraris? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, those Ferraris. That was, yeah. Was, yeah, that, I remember when that happened because I got pictures of it so way back in the When day. was Charlie? Was that 10 years ago? Oh. Now, here's a story that I got. Well, this, that was Hurricane Charlie that went through in 04, wasn't it? Maybe that's when it was, 20 years. That's why I saw it. It was like 10, 20 years ago. But anyway, so as the story goes, as the story goes, there was this old guy that used to roam around Orlando. Now, he was a farmer yeah. or whatever he was. I just heard the story. I'd never met the guy. But they told me that he was used to drive an old Ford truck. And instead of having Ford on the tailgate, he actually had a custom tailgate made that had a Ferrari logo embossed, you know, the prancing horse. Oh, really? And, uh, yeah. And he used to drive around. Now, oddly enough, I was at a car show, and for some strange reason, I recall seeing that truck. And it seems to me it was a 53 to 56 Ford truck, maybe a little bit later, I'm not sure. And I saw that, and I thought, wow, that's really cool. Somebody went to extremes. He's probably a Ferrari guy, collector car guy. Never, never put the two together. And then years later, after the storm happened, that picture that photo the one i sent you was yeah. way back when now here's the interesting thing is where if that auction if our if if the article is true that i sent you if that article if that if those cars are being auctioned now and they were destroyed back then they weren't destroyed they were just beat up a little bit well so if you look at some of the pictures there the, the you know the building caved in on them so a lot of them were basically a mess in fact one of the cars is a Ferrari, 53 Ferrari 500 Mondial, which is like the one I appraised for three and a half, yeah. four million dollars. Well, they're saying that that car, even in burnt, destroyed condition, is still worth a million five. Very possible. But yeah. anyway, then there was another scene where so allegedly this guy had some of the cars up on the 
on the Pensacola coast. And the cars up there were on a waterfront home, and they got destroyed yeah. up there and right, scattered yeah. around the beach. Yeah, there's a picture of a 275 GTS full of sand. So that's probably the same thing. But what I want to know, so if this took place back then, why, where, where have these cars been sitting for 20 years? According to accordingly, the cars from Orlando were up in Indianapolis forever. Okay, uh, Indianapolis. Indianapolis, that's what it said, right? So yeah, I think that's what. So they got moved up there later, and then they've been in some sort of storage for all these years. But again, where we're going with this is that look, how interesting some of the stories are, and if you follow them, you know, you just it's it's really in a way it's kind of a mystery. But there's more to the story, which was in the article, but we'll just say, if you get a chance, read the article. RM's going to have the auction, and I think it's yeah. sometime this year, right? Uh, August, I think. Yeah. August. Oh, 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 that's right. They're going to auction them off in Monterey. Yeah, right. yeah. Here's another ad. Speaking of Ferraris, here's a 69 Daytona. Yeah. A aluminum body car, ex-NART team car, North American racing team. Right. Which is blindingly fast. Of course, it's the, the race team, it wouldn't be. Entry at Le Mans, Daytona, and undergoing complete restoration, $25,000. And what year is this one now? 69 Daytona. But it's an aluminum body, Equinox racing. Okay, but what year is this? This is from the 73 publication? Yeah, 71. 71. Yeah. Well, that was very expensive for that time, though, if you think about that. But yeah. it was the okay. aluminum body car. I will grant you that. That was a alloy body, if you call. That's yeah. kind of what I I got a couple of ads. I can't locate them right now, but I know it is. Guy's got a 500 super fast, okay? 63, 64. They were called super fast, so you didn't have to ask anything about it. And so, <laughs> anyway, the guy has this one for about six grand, more or less, with a Holman Moody 427 in it. Well, now that is an interesting car. But what's it worth now compared to the one right below it in the 1971 Rody Track ad that says, Ferrari 500 super fast, all original, the 12 grand. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so this, well, the one's way above a million, one's way below a million. Yeah, one is way more than above a million, yeah. Well, super fast is. Now, they, did they make different ver there's super fast and then wasn't there like an America super fast or wasn't there like no, there a super was a faster America. the super fast was a 5 liter okay. the 400 America was a 4 liter but that's the only time they used deciliters to indicate the engine size maybe just a little another Lamborghini I don't know because oh. Lamborghini you know the car was a 350 350 deciliters this would be a 3.5 liter car you know right and and there's another another ad at Ranford, four or five months in the um, road and track. I'm obviously I'm not a public speaker. Anyway, Ranford, <laughs> yeah. So like at least four or five months, guy had a 427 Cobra. He put a Chevy engine in it. No one wanted to talk because you could buy a real Cobra for five grand. You know. That's sad. All yeah. right, Alan. We'll, uh, we'll 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 take this under advisement, and uh, we'll keep you plugged in for a future uh, vintage car Al's vintage car ad segment. How about that? I like that. Something right, like that. Yeah. We'll have to we'll have to massage that a little bit. But that's yeah, pretty my cool. My oldest auto trader goes back to '74, and um, yeah, Jeff Hacker has a shark car. It's Covington. Yeah. 
yeah. What so ad, what year was that ad? What year was that one in? I'm going to say about 77, 78. Right. I got an ad from the cop. He bought it from someone's house sitting there. I got an ad when we were sitting behind the snooker station at Cleveland and Port Street. I got that ad in the auto trade. I'm still looking for it. When I find it, it'll go out there. Okay. Unless he's already got it, but still know <laughs> it. Okay. All right, Al. Take care. Thanks for calling in. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Uh, I think what Matt's going to do is fire up the stereo here. and we got a song by Three Dog Night. And as they say in the biz, the show must go on. Radio and Cars. Okay, we're back and you're tuned to the Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and it's time to bring on my old buddy and special guest with uh, some amazing collector cars. Uh, he's an author, 
just uh, an all-around guy. And I think one of his books that he's written is called Forgotten Fiberglass. Delighted to welcome back to the show, Jeffrey Hacker. Jeffrey, how are you doing, buddy? Hey, good. Thank you for the invite again. Good to be here. How are you? Pretty good. I just had Alan on for a few minutes. And you know how we were talking about the 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 blue car, the shark or whatever it was called? Is that what it sure. was? Okay. Mm-hmm. He, I remember seeing that in the Auto Trader way back when. He had he found the old Auto Trader ad, but it was in there twice. I think one uh, once behind. Well, I think it was because I saw it behind the Sunoco station here in, in Cleveland Street, and then you found it where someplace. Uh, no, the same place. Same the, place? the same place. Okay. Yeah. In fact, I still have that ad. It was nineteen August nineteen eighty. 1980? And, oh, we were Yeah, 1980. Okay. And actually, it had been there for about 10 or 15 years. This is the Shark Roadster. Yes. And it is, uh, some people may have seen it was at Amelia 2013 and a few different shows. We had it at a local show here in Tampa, Cigar City Concourse, a few years ago. Uh-huh. <clears throat> Excuse me. But um, it was owned by one of the investors in the company, and I was going there for about nine months and seeing if I could buy the car, and they said no, and then finally I saw it an auto trader. So... It could have been in there more than once. I don't know. I, I, I can tell you the story simply was uh, they wanted to, uh, when I went to see it, I was 19. It was in August, and I still have the bill of sale. And they had already found someone who'd offered them um, some money for it, not very much, but outside forever. And then I told them that I would uh, give them everything I had, which was 500 bucks. I stole the bill of sale. Wow. <laughs> they, and they, uh, I was friends with them for 40 years. So the, the family, the last person in the family finally passed away during COVID, unfortunately. Mm. But I was, uh, it started a 40-year friendship with not just that family who owned it, but also the family that designed it, the Covington family. And this past weekend, Olga Covington, whose husband, Henry Covington, designed the shark, turned 102. She's still down there in St. Petersburg. That is amazing. That's incredible. Wow, 102. 102. It's amazing. It really is. Well, we had so Ed, I'm, we had Ed Iskandarian on um, last year. He had just turned a hundred and one. He was on my show when he was ninety one, and he was turning a hundred and two, I think, last year. So he's going to be one hundred and three this year. Wow! So my hat. Those, see, Jeff, the, those kind of people are inspiration for us, aren't they? Car guys, oh, and they're still alive. Well, and this year we did a class of. Forgotten fiberglass cars called Fiberglass Dreams of Amelia back in March. Nine mm-hmm. cars. And in 70 days, we'll be doing another class called Fiber... Well, it's not Dreams. It's called um, Dream Cars of the 50s. So it's some hand-built aluminum steel and fiberglass at Pebble Beach. And one of the... We've got two people on the panel. One is um, the founder of Victress, Meryl Powell, who's 93. And the other is Bob Gurr, who was a dream car designer, and he's 92. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, you can email them, talk to them. They just, they're, they're an inspiration for us in terms of how well they're doing. So what's uh, what's the latest find? Well, you'd ask that before you call tonight, and uh, I thought I would give you a couple options. Okay. One, there's no shortage of latest finds and projects we're working on. Okay. So how much time do you have tonight for me? we got 20 minutes. I mean, a little. 20 minutes. Oh, if you want, well, it's up to you. Uh, It's because you could do a speed round. You could challenge there me every three to five minutes. Every three to five minutes, have me tell you another car that is either working on, about to be worked on, or one that we recently found and brought in. All right, let's try so that. So you, ha- you have to get a stopwatch, and every three to five minutes, you tell me to change. The other is I could just tell you details of some of the cars that you might find interesting that we have at your own pace. Let's try the, let's, let's try the speed round. That's kind of like a game show. <laughs> <laughs> right, you got to have a watch, though. Give I me at least three minutes. i got a clock. So right now i got 7.34. So we'll get okay. 7.37. I'll break you. 
Okay, well, let me just preface it. We have about 100 cars. Oh. And that does not include the cars that are coming in and the cars that are going out and cars that we're working with friends and who are customers in doing some of the cars that we used to own or in their cars that they brought to us. So let me, the whole thing is around 100. Okay, let me just interject real quick. Um, when I was out in... Uh, Oklahoma, many, many years ago, I was out there for one of the Shelby meets, and there's a racetrack out there just outside of Tulsa. I can't remember. But would the cars that fall in your category, let's say this car had a Cunningham chassis, but it was a custom-built car on a Cunningham chassis, would that type of car fall into your profile of some of the unusual stuff you're looking for? It would, and, you, and that was owned by our friend, what is his name? He owns the Tulsa Speedway. God, I haven't yeah. talked to him for a while. Um, a yes. Root enough. Yes, a the Rudinoff. German guy, well, race car totally, driver. Totally a Rudinoff, owns the racetrack and had the Cunningham chassis. And I guess there were a few unbuilt chassis, you know, cars that had you know Cunningham chassis, and then someone built one that looked like that. And that was that car you sent to me years ago, Robert, was actually, he classified it as a Cunningham. Legally, now I'm not the legal expert, you've had people way more experienced than me, but if you and I read enough articles, whoever owns the chassis owns the car. Okay. So if I have a, a Curtis body on, um, well, let's see, I'll put it, a Byers body on a Curtis chassis, people will call that a Curtis Byers. Um, if it was a Ford chassis, it should be prominent on Ford or Dodge or Ferrari and so forth. So a special bodied Ferrari, a special bodied Corvair, that's kind of where it comes from. So it's not so much what I would classify it, but legally the courts would say whatever the chassis is, then the body becomes body by X chassis, you know, determines the car, legal oh. ownership. Okay, makes sense. So that's what at least I've gleaned from talking to subject matter experts and other people. You found uh, there was a famous case about 12 years ago, Shaughnessy, I can't remember his first name, but Tom, he found Tom a... Tom Shaughnessy. Tom, yeah, Tom okay. Shaughnessy mm-hmm. found a, a uh, Devon sports car, and it was sitting on a, the remains of a Ferrari chassis, Ferrari American or something, and, and of course, that's a Ferrari then. <laughs> so right. It's special, to, it's just so that you could have... Um, Think of the custom cars done in Europe. You know, the bodies are by Fagoni Falashi, who knows? You know, they're not they're not car builders, they're body builders. Same mm-hmm. kind of thing. So stick a different body on the Cunningham, you still have a Cunningham. That's what the courts, I believe, would say. Okay. Yeah. I may right. not say that, but the courts would. Okay. <laughs> so. All right. Go. We got, we're at 37 now. <laughs> well, whatever you want. Um, so the most recent thing, your readers, your your listeners can yeah. jump onto Hemmings and actually type in uh, Renault race car, and they'll find an article that's done by Marvin McFalls of the Renault Club. And about 15 years ago, um, we found a, my sharks are Renault-based, the convertibles. I've always been part of the Renault group. I never got the memo, so I still call it Renault. And um <laughs> So I'm always interested in Renault specials, and there were a bunch of them in the 50s, and I found several. And every time I find one, they get shipped overseas. My friend, one of my friends buys them all, um, Louis Blackross, and he's bought an SWM Gordini, and, he bought, and, and so they go overseas. So this last one that I found about 10 years ago, I wanted to keep, and it was very interesting looking. It had a little bit of history, but when it got here, it was a space frame. It was a transverse-mounted rear Renault engine. It was really done well. And my friend Joel Driscoll, you might have run across him on the web as well as um, Facebook. He's quite a uh, researcher. And he had pulled that out and found out that it was the Dale Halliday Special, built in 1954, debuted in January 55 to a first-place race in Willow Springs, and continued to dominate the H-Modified, which, you know, is a small class, small cars. 
but it was America's first Renault-powered purpose-built race car, meaning it wasn't a Renault production car turned into a race car. They built a space frame from scratch. They put a Renault engine in there, Renault suspension, and they tore up the raceways at 70 miles an hour, <laughs> whatever whatever small speed a Renault gets, a little force falling. So, <laughs> you know, it's like a person could jog along next to it as it was racing. So, um, But it is cool, and it, it looks... Um, it's a very nice car. I mean, your listeners can jump on Hemmings and see it. And Dale Halliday built it for um, Dr. Paul Winters. They raced it from 55 to 58. That's in our stables here, beaten to death. But hopefully sometime in the near future, we'll start working on that. Okay, good. We're at 39 right now, so you get got about 20 sec- 10 seconds left. So <laughs> let's go to the next one. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, I'll try to stop around three minutes. So something coming in is kind of interesting. Um, and I, do you want me to concentrate on race cars only, sports cars, or does it matter? Uh, it's up to you. Tell, yeah, sports All cars right. are good. Okay. Because the other ones I have, I'll give, I'll give you an example. 19, uh, we, sports cars in the 40s were enormous. 114-inch wheelbase. You know, we typically think of 94-inch, 90-inch, something like that. But in the 50s, they still were 100-inch. You know, Corvettes are about 98. But there were other things being built back there that we studied, which were sport customs. And one of the ones early on was this thing called the Wow Cadillac, built in 1949 in Indianapolis by a power hammer company, which is a metal shaping company. And I, I love the look of it. It looks like a, the Chrysler Thunderbolt, a concept car done pre-war by Alex Tremulus or someone I've forgotten her. Um, but it's, um, it's a gigantic, enormous bullet. And this car was built by a professional company, and I found it about 15 years ago. And in horrible shape. And that kind of leads to restoration. I eventually acquired the car. The car is double beach, Amelia Island. It's qualified for any of those. Um, and it's the second custom Cadillac, special body Cadillac uh, in America, post four years. So it's pretty rare, nicely done, but beaten to death. So one of the things we look for is how do we actually move forward more quickly? And this last year, I found a 1948 Cadillac that was being resto-modded, meaning the chassis and engine was available, all of it. And rather than restore the chassis and engine from the same year under the Wild Cadillac, we bought that car or that chassis, and that's what's going under the Wild Cadillac because money does drive projects. And if you spend it all in one car, you don't get to spend it on others. So we'll retain the chassis as part of an artifact. It doesn't have an engine, but this new one, the, the rest of mod being built was being built from a, a, a running, driving, beautifully restored car. So we'll move the body over to the 1948 Cadillac 49 Wild Cadillac, it's a 48 Caddy chassis, and then we'll just get to work on the body, which, by the way, is a big enough project as it is. No floors, missing front, all that stuff. But it makes the car more doable. So it's not just finding these cars, Robert, it's also coming up with strategies to make them restorable so that myself or other people I work with can actually do the project. Okay. Uh, I just got a text from somebody. They said, ask... Jeffrey, about the Renault—I always say Renault also. Renault Manic, does that ring a bell? Yeah, well, the Manic is um, um, your your um, listener is a, an astute sports car, uh, North American sports car. Manic is a, a Canadian-based car. Okay. And Marvin McFalls, who was the president, I think still is of the Renault Club, has one. And so does that my friend Lewis, who um, is over there, keeps stealing all the American Renault specials from us. <laughs> um He's uh, he joined us for Emilio. He's a very good friend. But um, the Manic is a rear engine Renault powered, wonderfully designed uh, car. From I don't have the year exact year, but I think it's late sixties. I know that on our website, Undiscovered Classics, you can go and type in Renault Renault Manic M A N I A C, 
and you'll see the brochure and other stories that we've done, at least one or two, on that car. And I forgot, they, they made more than two and less than 200, you know, somewhere somewhere between there. The numbers are known, I just don't have them on the tip of my tongue. Was it a steel car? Does it look anything like no, a Carav- no. Caravel or whatever that th- well, Didn't they make no. a Renault Caravel? Yeah, Caravel, um, beautiful car, um, yeah. designed by <sighs> Chrysler, who's our Virgil Exner Jr., oh. Caravel. Uh, the junior, the, the the Caravelle was, but the Manic is the same size, but all fiberglass. Okay, beautiful little car, and not too many people have ever seen those. I don't think, I don't think I've seen one in person. Just um, pictures of them, but a couple of friends own them. So. Well, the the gentleman that texted to me is an avid listener, and he says he actually owned one at one point in time. So that'd be interesting to uh, find out a little bit more about it. There was one owned by someone like in Hudson, Newport, Ritchie, 10, 20, 30 years ago. Could be that person. Could be. We're trying to track down where it went to, and I've forgotten how I know that. Um, but I think Marvin may have told me from the Renault Club. We're trying to figure out where it went to. Or maybe that person had contacted me. I can't remember. But somehow I know there was one like in Pasco County, I think. It's, so that's cool. Well, you know, in your travels, don't you find it kind of interesting that these cars somehow – you would think that cars of that caliper would be in a high-profile area, let's just say like Connecticut and New England, where there's a lot of European sports cars, maybe, obviously, California, possibly Chicago, some places like that, or, you know, they're European cars, to, a lot of them to start with. And then they wind up in these little remote little towns in, in no man's land, and and here you're on this quest, and by virtue of luck and 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 more luck, you, you stumble on these cars. What do they say? Luck is where hard work meets opportunity, something. I've forgotten what that saying goes. Yeah. Um, you, and I, you and I work seven days a week. Yes. I don't think you take the weekends nope. off. And so the harder you work, the luckier you get, right? Something like that. That's... Um, so I always say, I think the last article they did about our cars is, I specialize in finding cars no one's looking for but should be. Okay. That's kind of hard, yeah. I like that. Um, because... I I love the Ferraris and you know concept cars, but I'll never own one, and I may never see them. But I can go find the cars that were just as famous and have been completely forgotten about, and take those to the best shows in the world, um, and help people take their cars to the best shows in the world because those were the cars of the fifties. There were more cars that were hand built, sports cars and concept cars, built by Americans. Uh, than they were built by Detroit. And there were more car- cover cars and magazine built by Americans than built by Detroit. And that's what fiberglass farms and forgotten fiberglass and undiscovered classic is all about. Um, one of the cars that we're debuting, switching cars again, at Pebble Beach, it was mine, but it's owned by Paul Sable now, will be the Debonair, 1955 Debonair. Now, the Debonair was designed by Philip Egan. Philip Egan and Alex Tremulus were the designers of the Tucker. And so after the Tucker project is over, Alex Tremulous designed cars for Kaisers and other other groups. I, I, Kaiser is the one that I'm aware of. And then uh, Philip Egan did this car called the Debonair. Beautiful car, got a lot of press, and then the factory burned down. And there were six of them built, and I found five of them. Wow. <laughs> so I still have four of them. And uh, Paul Sable has we've been working on one. We're hopefully done in the next few weeks and then ship the darn thing to Pebble. But it's a Tucker legacy car, so in our restorations, um, I convinced Paul that we should go get a Tucker radio. They're on eBay every few weeks, every few months. You can find them for about 300 bucks. Um, they sold many more radios than cars. Interesting. <laughs> we, yeah, they were a Motorola radio that was a horizontal radio turned 
vertical. And then they reoriented the keys. Uh, so we have to kind of reorient it back. But that's what our, hopefully he'll get that in there for, for uh, Pebble Beach here. He, he's got the card out in Pennsylvania finishing off. So that's another car. It was uh, really kind of cool. And it was uh, came out in 55. Never seen since 1955, probably 56, somewhere there. And the interesting thing about the Debonair was that Alex Tremulous did the all design for the Allstate, some small changes. That's the Kaiser car that was sold by Sears. Mm-hmm. And I have all the memos from Sears and Debonair talking about positioning this car in Sears as a car by Sears also. And that will be released as part of the Pebble Beach debut as well. So, now the, kind of cool. The Allstate, didn't it pretty much resemble a uh, Henry J. Kaiser? Well, it was, it was a Henry J., but there were some changes that Alex Tremulous was responsible for. Okay. Not on the body itself, I can't imagine. So it had to be some kind of chrome treatment, interior treatment, something he was involved with. Um, I, I have that from the Steve Tremulous, who was the nephew of Alex. Um, and it may, I may be able to look it up, but I, I don't have that off the tip of my tongue. But the Debonair was also something that they uh, they were screwing around the logo and a name for it was Sears, which I thought was kind of cool. Nineteen fifty-five. You know, so, people don't realize. Yeah, people don't realize that Sears sold cars, motorcycles, little houses. They did everything. Yep. I mean, Sears was the the uh, retail company of the country at the time. Yeah, and now I don't even know where there is a Sears anymore here in Tampa. I don't think there is. So, All right. Next, when, when when you go out and you find these cars, I, and this is a question. So, I'm sure it's not uncommon that you stumble on something that fits the profile of what you're looking for. You know, a car built in the '50s on some you know somebody's chassis uh, or a homemade chassis. And then, what's it like when you find the car, but there's no information on it? Where do how do you go about finding the information? Well, you, you've just described ninety percent of <laughs> the cars. Cars are fun. Well, you, like one of the ones we're finishing up now is called the Asteroid. It was on Facebook Marketplace. They wanted twenty five hundred bucks for it, and I, you get a sense of these cars, Robert, after you deal with them enough. Mm-hmm. There's a difference between a kit car from the sixties or later. Fifties, the kit cars were a body, <laughs> and you had a. There was no kit. You had to build the whole damn thing, just like you'd build them, like a bodybuilder in Europe was doing with aluminum bodies. Mm-hmm. So they were they were piece. From my perspective, the fifties cars were a piece of art when you built them. So like the Astra, I found the Astra. I looked at it. I looked at all angles, and it, I said, okay, this car looks like it was done in the sixties. You and I can kind of peg a car based on its design, mm-hmm. and then you start going. And you have to develop a lot of context. So in that one, it was a custom car I found in Texas. So I went to Cushenberry. No, Daryl Starberg, oh, really? passed away. and Daryl and his wife were still around, and, and they remembered seeing the car, but they didn't know who built it or what it was, and it wasn't theirs, but it had cushionberry elements, like it looked like it had a bubble top. And then I started going to some of the other, who's the big car promoter in Detroit? Bob Larravee. Okay. Bob Larravee's in his 90s, and I sent pictures to him and his daughter, and, and they could confirm they saw the car, too. And it, ultimately, I found the pictures of the car in one of his books, Hot Rod Show World, something like that. But in the meantime, I worked with Hemmings because uh, you're asking, how do I find information? It's a network, isn't it? Yes. Of people that you know, of the elder statesmen in the hobby, um, getting them involved. And then ultimately, we went to Hemmings and Dan Stroll, and Dan published our quest, and we put it out there. So here's what we found so far. And one or two of the people responded. I think the, the wife of one of the 
owners responded that that was the asteroid. And uh, for its whole life, it was always misspelled A-S-T-R-O-I-D, or E-R-O-I-D. And we, we had to fix the correct spelling. But it's almost done. It should be debuted here in the next nine months or so. It's a special body Corvair. Pretty cool. It's another car to add list. I just thought it'd be fun for you if we could do three to five minutes per car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. we, we, we still have... Yeah, and, and all of these cars, you can go on the website and look. You can look at the asteroid on Discover Classic. You can look at the Debonair, D-E-B-O-N-N-A-I-R-E, 1955. Any of these cars, the Wild Cadillac, they're all there. You can look at them all. Um, so, all right, we've got time for, for two more. Two more. We're at uh, 751. The most exciting car that I've had a chance to work with has been, a, been something that would be interesting to you, and you'll want to research, research it out also. In the 2008-9 range, where I kind of started working on this heavy, there was a car called the Stoller McMinn, who was uh, the director and designer and teacher at the Art Center, where people learned how to design cars. He had worked with John Bond, designed a car called the Le Mans Coupe. And they didn't know how many were made. They knew one was made. They never knew what happened to it. It was on the cover of August 1960, Road and Track, and it uh, Southern McMinn is a legendary designer in the world and in America. Um, he was a Pebble Beach judge for 30 years, and you could go research him uh, and learn more about a lot of the retired designers, owe their careers and their, what they learned from them. And this car looks like a 69 Stingray. It was designed in 57 and 8 and came out in 58. And I went down and tracked down the people who built the car. Um, one of them was still alive, and the others who talked to their families. And I talked down, it just so happened that it was built at Victorus, which I already knew some of the folks from Victorus, and they filled in some of the details. And in the process, we found out they built about six or seven bodies and cars, and I was able to find four of them, and three of them in unrestored status. And each of those three cars are being restored now, and the first one that will debut, and the first time anyone will see this work is... Uh, going to be at Pebble Beach this year in however many weeks, and that's going to be the 1958 Le Mans Coupe owned by Dennis and, and built by Dennis Kazmorowski. Be the, it's a gullwing car door. It's just gorgeous. If you go on Undiscovered Classics on Instagram or Facebook, you'll see it. If you go on the website and the homepage, you'll see it. It's a thing of beauty. Um, it, I mean, it doesn't look like anything. It's kind of like the Sharks. The Sharks were done in 61 and 2. They look like nothing from their peers. Same thing with this car that was about 10 or 12 years ahead of time. So that will debut at Pebble Beach, and then it will go on to Peterson Museum, where I worked with the staff to create an exhibit that's six months long, that where the car will be celebrated along with the designer, Strother McMinn. Uh, that may have been a few more than three minutes, Robert, I'm sorry. Oh, no, that's, you're fine. We're at 53 yeah. now, so we got time for another one. Let's see. There's, um, where am I moving around now? Well, I'm doing a lot of stuff on Kaisers, which is kind of funny. Um, I, Kaisers aren't even a hand-built car. They're just an American car. But you talk about Kaisers with someone. Um, the 1951-55 were heavily influenced by Dutch Darren, who's a sports car designer and a concept car designer. And uh, the Darren family, uh, one of his sons is still around, Pat Darren. And what a neat thing to see this creativity, not just kept done back in the 30s, but carried forward to the 50s. And I love the, the uh, designs of the... 51 to 55 Kaisers. So we've been working kind of quietly with different kind of Kaisers um, in in that era. Uh, we have about 20 of them <laughs> ourselves oh. and different people. Um, my favorite one is something called the Dragon. It was built in 1953. They made 1,270. We have five of them. 
and we're starting restoration on a jade tint one right now, and then probably next year, late this year, something on a on a black one, which is a super rare one. They're just beautiful, interesting. They're sedans, but how do you not be interested in something called a dragon? And so. One's in my driveway. If they drive down Memorial Highway, they'll see a dragon in my driveway. Um, <laughs> I could talk about the Packard Monte Carlo coming up, which is designed by Richard Arbib. We found that missing for 70 years. Um, I'm making a pitch to Amelia right now to see if they want to debut. It's in the unrestored state at Amelia. You'd see it when you're there, Robert. Mm-hmm. But that's not a poor custom. It's a full-blown Richard Arbib, whose girlfriend was Betty Page. That's, that was his first concept car he did for Henny or Packard. Oh, wow. And we found, we found it about five years ago. I don't know. I'm. I'm. If what is it? The harder you work, the luckier you get, right? Yeah, that's what that's you just said, and that's and that's well yeah. written and well. Yeah. <laughs> so. So. Go ahead. No, no. I just said. Did that give you enough? Oh yeah. No, no. We, of, we got a minute or two left. So you know, when you're out, guys like you, and you mentioned Shaughnessy, and we'll use uh, Tom Cotter. You know. So, and I don't know if those guys are really in your league or not, but how, how is there is there is there an association, this reciprocation for car hunters, if you will? You know, I know a couple of guys that are always chasing Shelbys and Fords and Bosses and and stuff like that. But there's some guys that chase some very very unusual stuff, and you're one of them, obviously. And I know, and Tom, I know as well personally. But he's always going after Ferraris and. Porsches and Lamborghinis and and really rare unusual stuff and and some Curtis he's found some weird stuff over the years too so do you guys reciprocate and if you find something that's not exactly in your let's just say floats your boat so to speak do you turn it on to somebody else or do you skip over or what do you do um, I'm happy to turn things over um, I've never been chasing dollars unfortunately for me by the way but uh, I've been chasing history okay and what a cool thing to do because. I chased down all the paths that had been there for 60 years, and no one's gone down them. I, I chased down the Chicago in a lost concept car from 1954 Chicago Auto Show. Um, it's in my house. I want to do that sometime soon. <laughs> I, I, might, I, um, I have restored 26 cars in 16 years. So, and, and part of the secret is they're not Kaiser Dragons. They're fiberglass body specials without hard tops and windshield wipers and heaters and air conditioners and all that stuff. So there, there's, it's not that I'm the most amazing restorer. It's that these cars are much simpler to restore once you break their elements down to what things need to be checked to make sure that the body doesn't fly off at speed, that kind of stuff. So that's, that's why I can do so many. But um, what do you do You know, when you find these cars and I've been moving more toward the restoration and the writing about them recently. But you asked about Tom Cotter, and most of the folks chase cars that are of value. Tom Cotter chases everything, mm-hmm. and he doesn't. He, he chases the story really, not so much the history or the car or the value. And he's he's had some amazing, very valuable barn finds, but then he covered my stuff, which is historically wonderful, but has intrinsic value, not financial value. You know, so Tom is kind of um, like the professor emeritus of barn finds. Okay, and Tom, that's Tom Cotter, and Tom Shaughnessy, and others, um, Wayne Carini, others. They're chasing incredible history, incredible value, and um, I chase history. And if I, I, I've never really found. Well, I found the first cheetah, cheetah oh. number one, which is actually called the bear cage. Okay, um, and then I, you remember Rick? I, I uh, oh, gave yeah. that to Rick, yeah. and then. It's back in my garage, but it's actually owned by 
um, a person that, that I sold it to for the family after Rick's passing. But the, the very first cheetah was not a cheetah. It was called a bear cage built for Bill Strop. So oh. I, I do find some things of value, um, but typically they're not the cars that are um, shuffled between people and auctioned off. And they're those really unusual one-offs or prototypes or concepts or hand-built stuff. So it, I don't. I kind of operate in an area that's really no competition. Okay. Um, but it, it, there, there would be if there was. Some are worth money, some are not. You never know what you're going to find. But I'm, I'm not. I chase the history. So. Well, on that note, we are up against the clock. So one more time for our listeners, if they want to find out more about what you do and your adventures, how do they go about doing it? Undiscoveredclassics.com or Forgotten Fiberglass ends up at the same place, and they can have a lot of fun. It's a very, very deep website with. Stories that will explain why I'm single. So. <laughs> well, Jeff, I want to thank you for hanging out with us here again uh, at okay. Nostalgic Wedding Cars, and we'll be in touch. We'll have you back again in the future. Appreciate it. Thank you. Sounds good. I'm, I'm honored. Thank you, Robert. And good luck. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Okay. Bye. I want to thank my special guest, Jeffrey Hacker. In the meantime, I want to see all you guys get out there, and let's just rattle some cages and some barns and stuff like that and find some really cool cars. In the meantime, don't forget to check us out here every Tuesday between 7 and 8 p.m. on Tantalk Radio Network for the most legendary and fascinating names in motorsports. So get out there. Stay safe. Drive carefully and love your family.